From the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin, welcome to The Surgery Set. I'm Jonathan Kohler, an assistant professor in pediatric surgery here in Madison, home of the Badgers. This is a podcast all about surgery and the individuals who are at the cutting edge of it, and we're glad you're here. Welcome to The Surgery Set, and to this, the second of a three-part series about surgery training. Today, I'm speaking with returning guest, Dr. Jake Greenberg. He's the program director of the General Surgery Residency Program here at UW-Madison. We talk about what to look for when choosing a residency program. For those of you getting ready to fill out your match lists, hint, hint. Dr. Greenberg is originally from the Philadelphia area and attended the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, then did his residency at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, where I first met him as a sub-I, and then completed a fellowship in minimally invasive surgery at the University of Massachusetts Memorial Medical Center. Here at UW, Dr. Greenberg specializes in bariatric surgery and laparoscopic hernia surgery. His principal research interests focus on surgical education and training. I'm excited for you to join us as we talk about what makes a residency program a good fit for a prospective student. So, Jake Greenberg, welcome back to the surgery set. Thank you, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. Nice to have you actually in the office yes. instead of uh, uh, telementoring in from a teleconference yeah. the other side of town. So you're back today to talk to us a little bit about the program sure. at the University of Wisconsin. So our surgery residency is one of the big academic surgery residency programs. This is peak season, right? We're yeah. starting to see the interviewees come through. Can you just tell us a little bit about what in your mind makes us distinct as so, a training program? I think there are really a lot of things that make us a standout program in for training in, in the United States. Most importantly, it's the people. Uh, undeniably, I think the strength of our program are uh, the residents that are already part of it, uh, the faculty members who help to lead it and organize it, and it really is just one big happy family. Like uh, Everyone gets along with one another, everyone treats each other with mutual respect, uh, kindness, admiration, and it just makes coming to work a really pleasant experience. And then you add to that that we have outstanding technical surgeons who are great teachers. We have a phenomenal encatchment area for patient disease, and we see the gamut of everything, uh, including a lot more primary care than a lot of other programs have because we have such a primary care network that our bread and butter general surgery is done by our elective subspecialist surgeons. And then we also have phenomenal research experiences, uh, whether they're in basic science, translational sciences, um, education research, and certainly outcomes research. I think we have true expertise in all of those areas within the department and a lot of training grants for residents to take two years of uh, and spend two years doing funded research. So it really is a phenomenal place. And we take is it five chief residents a year? So we take six, six chief, chief residents. residents. I should know this. Track. They come through our program. So we take six in our academic track. Yeah. Uh, and those are in general residents that for the most part all take seven years. So they spend two years in dedicated research. And then we also have a rural track. And for our rural track, the residents, so that's one resident per year, they spend five years with us, go straight through clinically, and they spend several months of their second, third, and fourth years in two other smaller regional and and more rural hospitals, one in Waupon, Wisconsin, and one in Nina, Wisconsin, uh, where they get phenomenal training in not only uh, flexible endoscopy, which is uh, a major tool for the rural or community surgeon, uh, but they get exposure to things that we can't expose them to here at the academic medical center, like OBGYN and orthopedics and neurosurgery and, and things that a rural surgeon might need to be able to do at a moment's notice 
and, and they can learn it there because there's no other trainees that they're competing with for those cases. That residency is uh, currently in its fourth year, so we have PGYs one, two, three, and four. Uh, we'll be matching our fifth, and then our first will be graduating in 2020, and our goal there is really to send someone that feels completely competent and confident to go out and practice bread and butter general surgery in rural and underserved areas. I think that is such a extraordinary thing. It seems like it's sort of an evolving topic that we've been talking about on the podcast a lot lately is, is the difference between academic and true community, which is to say sort of what we, we, we now call rural surgery, right? So in academic surgery, which is what we're training a lot of people for here, right? These are people who are frequently not just finishing our program and going into practice. People are going into using this as a a launching pad to go into transplant surgery, pediatric surgery, minimally invasive surgery, cardiac surgery, all the range of specialties that are out there. And then we have people who are going to be going to small communities where they're going to be the only person who knows how to suture Mm -hmm. in that community, which means they're doing C-sections. Right. It's, um, you know, across this, the United States right now, about 80% of graduates of general surgery residencies go on to fellowships. And in states like ours, where the, the need for an academic surgeon is uh, isolated to a couple of locations, the need for patient care really predominates throughout the rural and underserved areas of our state. And so I think historically in our program where we were training really talented academic surgeons, we were starting to lose the training for people that needed to just go out and work and serve the state and the, and the people of Wisconsin. And so the goal of the rural program is to really get that back. And um, so far, I, I think it's been an outstanding success. I mean, I think our four residents that are matched in that program are absolutely outstanding. Um, they, their case volume is uh, significantly higher than our academic track because they go to these rural areas and they do a ton of cases while they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they feel very confident and competent to just go out and into practice, and that's what we are hoping for. There can be a ton of similarly sort of hybrid programs, places that are like, yeah. we, you want to be a super specialist in cardiac transplant? We can do that. Yeah. Or you want to like be in a community of a thousand people and be the only surgeon in a hundred miles? Yeah, we can do that too. Exactly. So I think it is, it's, it, there are a couple of programs across the country that have sort of the geographic setup to be able to do that. You know, to try and do that in, in a Boston program would be yeah. virtually impossible. But OHSU has a rural program. MCW has a rural program. Uh, University of Minnesota, I believe, does too. So there are a couple of, uh, certainly a couple of programs across the country where that opportunity is offered and definitely interest in, in others as well. How does that play into global health, right? Because that's yet another different way of yeah. practicing. And, and it's, so it's interesting. Of the applicants, and, and we, we very strategically interview those two groups of residences uh, different, uh, on different days because they are definitely a different pool of applicants that are applying to the academic versus the rural and community track. I've certainly seen amongst our applicants to both an uptick in interest in global health. Um, Mm -hmm. So academic people have interest in global health, and certainly the rural community people have interest in global health, too. I think both are pathways to to make meaningful change in global health. I think you can, as as a rural and community surgeon, you can absolutely go and do great work over there. As an academic surgeon, you can do the same. I think the academic surgeons probably have more of a focus on long-standing change and implementation of sort of educational programs over there or research over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both can absolutely go over and, and do meaningful work. And we've, we've started doing that a little bit here. I think we've got some podcasts yeah. coming up with some of our folks who have actually residents who've been overseas. Yeah, so um, so last year, uh, uh, Dr. Calista Stita, who's one of our third-year uh, residents, yeah. uh, spent a month over in Ethiopia. 
Um, this year, two of our fourth-year residents, Dr. Lauren Taylor and Dr. Rebecca Gunter, will be uh, in Ethiopia, uh, I would think, for a month each. Uh, we are extremely fortunate to have uh, uh, Dr. Germa Tafera on our faculty who is in charge of Operation Giving Back for the American College of Surgeons and as an Ethiopian native himself has a lot of contacts over there and has helped establish our program in Ethiopia and is now I think working to establish one in Central America as well. So certainly growing options for that too. One thing I think I didn't appreciate when I was looking at residencies and it, you know it worked out fine for me but I, I think actually having like having faculty who are not just sort of eminent in their fields or who are you know excellent technical surgeons but who are members of these sort of larger bodies I think is really really valuable you know I think when I trained the you know the chairman of my department Carlos Pellegrini would became the the president of the American College of Surgeons and that actually opened doors, doors in a way that I hadn't fully appreciated yeah. and so it's kind of crazy here actually you walk around and like most of the people you meet have some big national thing they also do. I mean, so we've had two recent past presidents of the Society for University of Surgeons, uh, two recent past presidents of the Association for Academic Surgeons. Uh, we have people uh, across the board that are high up in all of their subspecialty organizations, um, transplant, MIS, pediatrics, trauma. Uh, and those people are, are, for the residents, they're our resident champions, right? They get our residents onto committees. They get them pointed to positions and they give them exposure to what life is like when you're done and trying to build your academic pedigree so that they can start building it now. And it, it absolutely helps open doors that uh, in other programs aren't uh, necessarily as fortunate to have that opportunity. Having that personal connection right. to these larger bodies, like because as you keep realizing when you do this, right? Like the world of surgery is small. Yeah. And it, it just gets and smaller and, and it, smaller. It's kind of yeah. like who who do you know, right? right? Like that I, I think it made a huge difference for me deciding to come here that I knew you from right. before. I knew your wife Caprice Greenberg. I knew Josh Mesrich from medical school who's down the hall. Forming those connections early on and sort of being able to to walk into a new job and say, Oh yeah, I know you from this meeting. Right. I know you from this committee. Like no, it, we it, have us we have a network. Absolutely yeah. makes a difference. Absolutely makes a difference. I always say to the, um, when, I, when I interview the applicants, like we get, you know, a tremendous number of incredibly talented applications, and unfortunately we can't interview all of them, right? And I say to the applicants when we are interviewing them that when they're sitting in that chair, this feels like the biggest decision of their life, right? This is, this is a, a huge next step. They're going to spend five to seven years in a different city, most likely. They're going to make new colleagues. They're going to make new friends. It's their professional network beginning, and it's really their first step towards becoming the surgeon, which is, in many cases, what they've wanted to do their whole life. And I always tell them, like, this seems like a huge decision. It's actually not. Right? It, this is a decision that you can look at all the data points, you can see which program is the best at this, which does more cases. This is a decision that's much better made with your heart than your head. Right? If you get right. the sense that the, the people at the program are your people, that's where you belong. Um, you'll be a well-trained surgeon coming out of a lot of different programs in this country. You shouldn't sacrifice your own happiness to do it. Right? You should go where, where it feels like home. And the good news is most people never change programs, so you never know what it's like to be anywhere else. So right. you, just, you just assume that your program was the best. I think that's so true. I mean, I just remember going around on the interview trail, and I, I had you know a full range of experiences right. from places where you know that just felt like, oh, this is these are my people. This right. feels right. And it wasn't one place that felt that way. There right. were you know three or four that were sort of like, I can totally see myself here. Yeah. And there were other places 
that were as or better sort of reputationally, where I was like, oh, I would be so unhappy here, right? I think think when you find your fit, never, never hesitate putting that high up on your rank list, right? That feeling of, I would really like it here, I really like these people, that feeling means a lot. And I think if you experience that at any program as an applicant, um, take note of it and remember that program, and and, uh, that's probably the right one for you. And hopefully, and I mean, I think this is usually true, right? If you feel like a place is totally fit with you and you just feel like you're gelling, like chances are they feel the same way, right? Like it's it's a mutual thing, right? If you're not, if it's not clicking, it's obvious on both sides, you know? I totally agree. Yeah. So hopefully that the the computer takes that into account when you open your envelope and discover where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. For those applicants out there, so some people are sort of in the process now, but for any of the sort of like second and third year medical students listening who are thinking like, how do I, how should I start thinking about like, where do I want to apply? Or if I want to apply to Wisconsin, is there anything in particular that I should be thinking about? Any advice there? Yeah, so I I think you have to look at your situation first, right? Uh, From my personal experience, when I applied, I was single. I had lived in Philadelphia my entire life uh, in the suburbs as a kid and then um, at the University of Pennsylvania for undergrad and for medical school. And so I knew I needed to get out of Philadelphia (laughs) and see a different city. Like that was my number one criteria was that I wanted to see somewhere else. Um, So I went six hours away to Boston. That was the the move. So that was my first thing was geography. Uh, As someone who had like no restrictions on my personal life, I decided geography was going to be how I did it. And so I I applied primarily to programs in cities where I thought I would want to live. Yeah, Um, just as an excuse to travel. Exactly. Yeah. but a lot of other people now have significantly more considerations, right? There are people who are married with kids, and I think you have to do whatever's going to work for that family unit, most importantly. Mm-hmm. Um, other people who have ailing parents and want to be close to them during training so they can still see them, and I think that's important, too. Yeah. So I think you have to weigh your personal interests with your professional ones. Remembering um, always that Madison has been rated the number one town to raise a family, it's right? It's undeniably the best city. <laughs> to uh, there's no traffic. It's super convenient. There's good restaurants and great everything else. Yeah. But right. that being said. Try I, that in Chicago. Yeah. Boston. I think figure out where you're going to be happy first um, and then target programs in that area, graphic area. So that was how I went about it. I think a lot of people use different criteria. I'm sure some people just look at the big name programs and say, I was always sort of a believer that you kind of keep punching your ticket with the best sort of uh, academic pedigree you can and then yeah. at some point cash it in. And so some people I think will apply to uh, the just the top tier programs and, and pick the most top of the top tier. Um, and that's perfectly fine too. I think uh, I think everyone has their own way of thinking about it and deciding what to do. And, and honestly, I really think most of the time it works out. Yeah, right? There's no one right way. Correct. Figure out, find your path. Yeah. Right. And, and find your passion and, yeah. and follow it. Yeah. And you'll end up running into the same people again a few yeah. years later no doubt anyway so. that's exactly right awesome well thank you so much for coming by yeah, it's so exciting you. to have you you're you know newly installed as our program director yeah. but it's just a, a fantastic thing to sort of see the way you're growing the program your vision for the program the degree of diversity and um and equity that we're seeing coming out of the program and and uh it's just speaking as a member of the faculty who get to train these residents it's such a pleasure to work in such a great spot with such great people i certainly feel the same way and i'm obviously biased but i do think we have a a very very special place and program here so one that i'm incredibly honored and proud to be a part of awesome thank you so much thank you next time on the surgery set in the third episode of our three-part series on surgical education I talk with Dr. Paul DeMusto and Dr. Callista Dita, who's one of our residents, about UW's Global Health Education Program and their recent experience operating in Ethiopia.
Just a reminder, if you enjoyed today's program, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks for listening. The Surgery Set is a production of the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This episode was produced by Chelsea Johnson and me, Jonathan Kohler. It was recorded by Chris Hansen and edited by Elizabeth DiNovella. Our theme song is On Wisconsin, arranged and produced by Jamie Schmidt. I encourage you to visit us at surgery.wisc.edu, where you can find links to Grand Rounds, free CME credits, and more. You can also check out the UW School of Medicine and Public Health video library for a wide range of medical education resources at videos.med.wisc.edu. In addition, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. And of course, you can follow us on social media. You can like our Facebook page and also find us on Twitter at Whisk Surgery, and I'm at J.E. Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R. Please feel free to let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and don't hesitate to let us know of any topics you'd like us to cover. Thanks, and we hope you check back soon. On Wisconsin.